Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. So our Bible reading is from Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, and it is up there, so that's fantastic. Uh, Just in the aisles are Bibles, which are from Follow, so if you want to borrow those, feel free. Uh, Page 799 is where it's on today, and if you don't have a Bible, that's yours to take home today as well from us. So verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit invite Ray to come up now and share with us today. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, Adam and worship team. Great to uh, have the privilege to preach uh, this morning and uh, see you all here. Uh, Though Pastor Luke's not here, no doubt he was celebrating the Saints' win yesterday over the pies. Who doesn't get excited when the pies fall (laughs) to uh, another team? Well, obviously, unless you're a pie supporter. Uh, you say, gee, you, some of you here, if you support the pies, you think, gee, you've just given me a reason not to listen to anything you've got to say today, uh, Ray. Um, well, that's actually what I want to talk about. So, um, perfect. Uh, when I walked in, saw Rob uh, near the coffee machine, and he was smiling. He said, oh, what are you smiling about, uh, Rob, today? He said, um, oh, just thinking the fact that you're about to get up and preach and what must be going through your mind. Uh, uh, What a good bloke. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Ephesians 2, um, topical message, 30 minutes. Uh, May God help us today. (laughs) Lord, I pray that you give us the grace today to hear your word, open our hearts. Every visitor, I pray that they would be touched, that they would understand more about you, Lord, that they would come to an understanding of who you are and your great love for them and the price that you've paid for them. For those of us that are believers that have called Follow Baptist Church home, I pray that we would, as we look to your word, as we ponder truths today, I pray that our hearts would be um, challenged, encouraged, and I pray that we would um, apply the truths of your word to our lives today and from this day forward. Help us all um, and give us ears to hear. I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've concluded an Easter series with Pastor Luke and various brothers sharing the word and encouraging us. And obviously, as we've looked at Easter, we've looked at the cross, the time when Christ was crucified for the sins of the world. Man's greatest need was God's greatest deed. Man's greatest need is the need of forgiveness, to be forgiven. God's greatest deed was forgiving mankind. To do that, it had to be a supernatural work. God had to somehow, in order to redeem and rescue man, he had to infiltrate mankind and he did this 
through the perfect sacrificial death of his son Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully man yet fully God at the same time. Came into the world uh, in, a, in a miraculous birth and he lived a sinless life to pay for the uh, sinful you and I. This was the, the message and it, it, the, the climax of, of Easter is the cross of Jesus dying so that mankind can be forgiven and free and then we came to Easter Sunday where we looked at the receipt, if you like, of God's approval on the sacrifice and the death of Jesus and that was Jesus being raised from the dead. And you know, if you purchase an item and it doesn't work properly, you hope that you've got the receipt. The receipt enables you to go back into that store with that item and say, look at this receipt, I'd like a new item or I'd like my money back. Well, the, the resurrection of Jesus, if you like, that we've looked at over Easter is simply that. It's the receipt. It's him, Jesus, if he stayed in the grave, we would understand that he wasn't God's perfect and complete sacrifice. But the fact that he rose from the dead is evidence to us that the death that Jesus died was sufficient and it paid for our sins. Hallelujah. Great news. Amen. And then Pastor Dave preached last week and he preached on nothing. <laughs> no, he didn't say nothing, but that was the, the, that was the title of his message, nothing. Well, I mean, you know, if you were here last week, it wasn't nothing, it was super encouraging and again, he got us to look upward. He got us not to look inward at ourselves. He got us to not look at ourselves but look to the greatness of God and no matter what situation or circumstance we face, God is greater. How many remember that? It was very powerful, very, very encouraging. It was along the lines of this, never believe in the dark what God has showed you in the light. That's what I got from last week. That If you're going through a time of darkness right now, if you're going through a dark patch, a dark period, never allow in that dark period, in that dark patch, what is filling your mind, never allow that to consume you compared to what you've been shown in the light of day. Very encouraging last week. So I say all of that to say over the past number of weeks, meetings, we've had a real vertical perspective. Very much we've been looking upward to the completion, the, the, the powerful work of Calvary. Then we've been looking at the greatness of God, our Heavenly Father. Well today, if you'd allow me just for a few minutes, I'd like to go horizontal. We've done a lot of the vertical, now let's go horizontal. If you like that, yeah, we form the cross. But when I say horizontal, I want to talk about us together as a church family, as a body. And I want to look at some defining moments. Let's call them that. Dr. Phil will call them defining moments. <laughs> All psychologists, psychiatrists will call them defining moments. These are pivotal points. These are crossroads. Every single person in your life, in my life, we face defining moments. We face good defining moments. We face bad defining moments. But in these moments, at these crossroads, you and I make critical decisions about our lives. I can think of a couple of defining moments in my life. One was when I was 14 years of age. There was a a bus, a Christian bus that would go up and down our street. It was HYP, Heathmont Youth uh, Program or People. It was led by a man that some of you know, Ian Purse, bus driver. He led this youth group and operated out of Bayswater High School and I didn't go to that school. In fact, my mother um, 
a defining moment for me was when my parents separated when I was around 11 years of age and my mother was left to raise three sons. It was quite a task and we would fight so much, my, my brothers and I, that my mother sent us to three different high schools <laughs> to separate us, to stop the competitiveness, to stop the fighting. We Baseball bats were never out of the question. Throwing darts were used regularly. Knives, so I have scars of a, a bullet wound in my shin from a firearm that should not have been left in the garage. And you're wondering, why did Luke allow this guy to preach today? (laughs) (coughs) He's probably wondering the same thing. Um, And Perth would come down our street, Sinclair Road, Bayswater, and he would pick up the good Christian kids. So we decided to bomb the bus. (laughs) We did this every week, every Sunday afternoon. True story. You can uh, ask him for his account. Um, We would fill funny looking balloons with hand cleaner and we would throw it at this bus. We would jump on the back of this this Christian bus and we would ride down the highway holding on to the back. We did this week after week. And because my brothers and I, we all went to different schools, we we end up just gathering friends from all these different schools. So there'd be 30 people in our garage that would come to help us bomb the bus. We would get the jiffy lighters and we would do pentagrams on the road and before the bus would come, we'd set on a light so the road would be on fire with a goat's head. And the bus would drive through the flames and, you know, at 13, 14 years of age, we were so tough and cool. As our final rebel stance, I I didn't, but my brothers decided to get on the bus, semi-naked, wearing trench coats and boxer shorts. Got on the bus and they went to church and I remember the bus dropping them off the next week and I said, how was church? And they, oh man, it was good, we messed it up, we upset everyone, everyone was looking at us, it was really cool, we wrecked the service. Come on, come next week, come next week. So we decided to go next week. Went along and people were really nice, so I wasn't used to nice people. Went along the next week and we got to know some people. About a month in, we probably brought in 30, 40 people and I saw in one of the local newsletters they called it Revival in Sinclair Road. I didn't know what a revival was. Never heard of the word. Maybe it was a milkshake. (laughs) Revival in Sinclair Road, 50 youths, Bayswater boys brought into the church. Church, the whole dynamics of this local congregation had changed and then they set us up, I reckon, because probably a month in, they got a bikey. guy from the God Squad came and preached and he shared his testimony. At the end of that service, the Heathmont Baptist Church, this bikey got up, he was wearing a leather vest, told a story how he had a nailed baseball bat and he beat a bloke up at a door just prior to his conversion. And as a young man coming from a violent background, I could relate to some of the things that he was saying. And he said, if you've got the guts today at the end of this service, I want you to stand up if you want to know Christ, if you want to get serious with Christ. I felt my heart pounding. And I remember in that service I stood up and said, I want to be counted as a follower of Christ. Defining moment in my life. 
I got a little bit lost in the wayside. Not too long after that, I met a, a Christian girl at school. She encouraged me, invited me to come along to the church. Another church, um, because I'd kind of fallen away, lack of discipline, lack of, 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 I guess, leadership in my own mind, in my own heart as a young, young man. And I went along to this church and perhaps because it was a girl had a little bit to do with the fact that I went along. I won't lie to you about that. But I went along to this church and again confronted by the reality of what Jesus had done for me and that I could be forgiven of my sins. And again, about three or four weeks into that service, I was given the opportunity to receive Christ. I responded again, give my life to Christ. A little while later, I met a lovely little, um, you know, tanned skinned girl by the name of Natasha. Cool. There's another good reason to come to church. <coughs> I can't lie about it. And in the church, I was sort of saying, you know, hey, you know, you, you, uh, none of this hanky panky stuff. Everything's above board in the church. You've got to honour God. Uh, no, no messing around. If you, if you, you know, if you love love her, you got to put a ring on her finger. So all of seventeen years of age, I thought I'll propose to this woman. Left school, got an apprenticeship as a tradie. All I wanted to do was do something for God. I won't go into all the detail, but I'll tell you another defining moment. I decided to proposed to Natasha, I was 17, she at the time was 19 and driving, I didn't have a drive, I had a skateboard Um, (laughs) and I I proposed to her, you're going to love this, at Frankston Beach. (laughs) Now sorry, it was better than McDonald's. So I'd saved up for months for this engagement ring and um, I think it cost me, um, (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) ask me later, but I saved up for months on my apprentice wage and uh, it it was the most expensive thing I'd bought to date, you know, at that time and so she didn't know what was happening, I was going to be very romantic, I was going to get the sun going down, I was going to put the picnic rug and, uh, you know, get some, um, uh, that non-alcoholic wine, that uh, fruit fruit juice stuff that you get from the supermarket and a couple of nice glasses, throw the rug and I was going to propose to her down on the beach as the sun went down. She had no idea, but she has to drive, so Tash, let's just go down to the beach, yeah? Anyway, I'm running out of time, but so we go down to the beach. She doesn't know what's happening. I sent her down ahead. I said, oh, you just go and you know, I'll meet you down there in a minute. I just, just need to sort a couple of things out. I'll make a phone call or something, you know. Anyway, the sun, it's, 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 it's going down, it's setting and, and, and it's like it's, it's not light, it's not dark. We're somewhere in between, I think, perfect. A couple of candles, this is going to be great. And as I'm walking down, I thought, oh, the ring, the ring. It says, I find the ring box, I open it up, I'm standing on sand. I can hear it jing, you know, jingling inside the, the ring box. You can't have that. It's got to be just open it up. It's got to be sitting there perfect, right? I can hear it. It's rattling around in the, in, the, in, the, in the case. I open it up and it fell out in the sand. It's gone. 
I lost the ring, guys. <laughs> I dropped the ring in the sand. So if you're ever down near Frankston Beach, <laughs> off the, no, I found it again, thankfully. And she said yes. Uh, that, that was um, in 19, um, <coughs> 1991, the 7th of July, I got married. No, I'm only joking. I know when I got married. Um, that was in 1990. 1991, I married Natasha. And um, life has gone on. But that was a defining moment. And then I could talk about Kanisha, our first child. And then I could talk about last year when I got told I had cancer in my leg and where I had an operation and they removed that and they weren't sure. Good times, bad times. We're talking about defining moments. And guess what? I'll wrap it up. We'll move quick. We all go through them. We all have them. They're common to all of us. But you know what the issue is with defining moments? It's not will they happen to you. They will. The key for all of us is how we respond to them. And all I want to talk about today, and I'll join it to our text, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through to 22, is I want to talk to you about five, four, we'll add five maybe, five defining moments that every single believer will face, has faced or will face in the future as it comes to gathering together as God's local church. Can I tell you, church was God's idea. It wasn't like the great, the great man died. What are we going to do, man? Let's just start a franchise. McJesus, you know. And now we sell Bibles and rings and, and jewellery to remember the great man. No, no, it's not a franchise. The church was God's plan and idea. The gathering together. And the book of Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the mystery of the Lord. Chapter 1 is all about him predestining us, him choosing us, him calling us, him redeeming us, him being Jesus Christ with his own blood and saving us, uh, both Jew and Gentile, uh, those that were under the law and those that were away from him. uh, He calls us uncircumcised, weren't a part of the original people, the Jewish people. He brings us together in this great body called the church. Chapter 2, if you read again in your own time what Adam spoke about, it talks about he calls us his citizens. We are joint together. We are being built up together. We are, and, and it's this common theme of together, together, together. You and, and, and other people around you being built together, joint together. Can I tell you that's God's plan today for us? Can I tell you that our human nature, our sinful nature and Satan, the devil, his plan is to separate and divide us. God's purpose and plan is to build and link us. It's very easy, isn't it, to say, I love the church, but then we actually have to look at the person next to us. (laughs) Defining moments. Defining moments in church. Number one. The first defining moment that I think we all face and go through is the revelation of imperfection. 
found in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, he writes there, and just check my time. The revelation of imperfection is this. He says this, verse 26 and 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, You see a calling, brethren, but not many are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. Can I tell you, this is a defining moment for every single Christian, every believer. It is when you, as you attend, as you participate, as you are a part of a local church, it is a defining moment when you start looking around the church and you realise, guess what? I am surrounded by imperfect people. What you do right there is incredibly important. Because if, if the flesh or if the enemy can't get you out of the church, he will at least try to get you to minimalise your commitment and your, your, your participation in the church. How do you deal with the revelation of imperfection? It doesn't take long, does it? That as you come week after week, you look around at the brothers, the sisters, the people that are here, that you can look around and say, God has chosen imperfect people to do his perfect will. What a mystery that is. Now, it's going to shock you today, but it didn't take long for my wife to realise that I was imperfect. (laughs) But you know what? I'm so glad that 25 years later, she stuck with me. You know why? It wasn't because I was perfect. You say, well, we we knew that the moment you got up and opened your mouth, right? (laughs) We knew that. She married me because of a covenant that we made with each other and that was till death do us part. In sickness and in health. And I'm so glad. Can I say that as we are a part of this assembly, there will come a time, a crossroads, where you will have an understanding that there are no perfect. There is no perfect pastor here. There are no perfect members or people. And a matter of fact, I think, I think the Holy Spirit, I think God the Father, the Son, they get together and as they put the churches together, they must get a bit of a chuckle about the individuals that they join together. Oh, how's it going to be when we put this guy and this guy together? Oh, oh, oh. Sit down with a box of popcorn and watch these guys go at each other, right? I better move on, I'm running out of time. <laughs> Second moment, defining moment I think we all go through, is the moment of offence. Jesus said these words in Luke 17:1. He said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offences should come. You realise that being offended in the church is one of the most common and one of the most unbiblical reasons why people leave the church? You realise that? 
Can I tell you, if you come here, you are guaranteed to be offended. (laughs) I I know we don't put that on our flyers. Come to this church and you will be ticked off. We don't do that. (laughs) But it will happen. You know why? You know why the Lord allows this? Because what offends our hearts, church, reveals our hearts. And what reveals our hearts is what is in our heart. And the Lord wants your heart. Conflict in us and in others and in our relationships, as in our marriage and with our kids, is an opportunity to glorify God and for you and I to be Christ-like. I believe the church is to be a place where different people can forgive, can love and care for one another without us fickly bailing on one another's relationship. But you can look at me and I can look at you and we can say, I've got your back. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. I've got your back. We're different but we're in Christ. You know, we live in a world today that gives up easy. Marriages break easy. Businesses, relationships, people quitting. I believe the church is to be different. I won't take the time to read it, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, that problematic church, let's call it an immature church. The Apostle Paul opens up in chapter 1 and he says, I love you. Was he lying? No. He loved an immature, imperfect church. He he loved them and and he challenged them constantly about their their funny beliefs. He challenged them about their hero worship of of, of leaders. He, He challenged them about the fact that they would take each other to court and sue one another. He constantly challenged this church that he loved. Defining moment, the moment of offence. Number three, another defining moment for us is exposure to gossip. James chapter 1 verse 26, if anyone thinks among you he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart and that one's religion is useless. If you come to church long enough, you will be exposed to gossip. In other words, words that are unfriendly, words that are unhelpful, words that are unsupportive about somebody else, about their life, about their personal business. And can I tell you, that is simply gossip and it's not on. Gossip does two things. It is personally defiling. It will cause you to look at that person with a different slant, as it were, with a different point of view and it is corporately divisive. It will start cliques and little groups in the church Gossip is not on. And what we need to be is simply people of courage that if somebody is talking to you in an unkind, in an unsupportive, in a nasty way about somebody else, stop them right there and say, have you spoken to this person directly? And if they haven't done that, just say, sorry, I need to stop you right there. Because they might as well walk up to you and say, do you mind if just for a moment I stand next to you and vomit all over you? Is that okay? Would that be all right if I just bring up last night's lasagna? 
Of course that's not all right. In the same way, how we deal with gossip as we journey together over the years, as we get to know each other a little better and each other's struggles and brother's issues and sister's problems, as we grow together, if we're going to make the distance as a local church and not bail out on one another, this is the defining moment for us, how we handle gossip. Number four, as I check my watch. Another defining moment is what I call unsatisfied ambition. Come to the church, you feel that the Lord perhaps wants to use you in a certain way, you feel that you have giftings, abilities that would enable you to do, to minister, to care, to function in this body. And you feel that you should be given the opportunity to do A, B or C. Often that calling, that ambition, that desire to do certain things will go through generally the pastor, Pastor Luke, most occasions. As the church grows, perhaps some others. Can I tell you, it is a defining moment for you when you feel that you want to do something and leadership or someone else disagrees with your own view about yourself. I love the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 10 where it speaks about Jesus. It said, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Ambition grasps. Humility empties. Ambition is about self, Humility is about community. What you are a part of is more important than the part you play. Remember that. And if you and your ambition and desire, your feeling for your calling for a period of time perhaps is not being used as you feel that you are capable of. It's a defining moment. Number five, and I close. Fifth defining moment for every person in the church is what I call the moment of mission. The moment of mission is not the last night at Belgrave Heights Convention. I've heard some of the best preachers preaching at Belgrave Heights. It's not the final night of any conference. The moment of mission isn't even church today. 
You know what the moment of mission for you is, for me? It's when no one's looking. It's those decisions and those choices that you make about what you're going to do with your time when no one's looking. Oh, it's very easy for me to come up here and preach for 30 minutes if I just look down and read through my notes. I could sound pretty impressive. But that's not the moment of mission. It's what I did yesterday. It's what I did the day before and what I did the weeks before being here today. The moment of mission for us, mission is that, that sacrifice, that call for us to come together, to stop what we would do individually, to be a part of something more powerfully, corporately, together. It is those little sacrifices that you make when no one else is watching. Are you going to watch TV tonight? Or maybe have somebody over for a meal to encourage them. That's the moment of mission. God is prompting your heart to do something in Belgium, to, to give towards the property and the building of the church and you have this money. Do I buy a new car or do I make a sacrifice for the kingdom? No one's watching. No one sees. That's the moment of mission. Do I go and read this? Do I go and spend time here? Do I spend time on my knees in prayer? praying for this one, praying for this situation. That's the moment of mission. Should I go and do things for myself or I know that somebody's struggling over here, somebody needs some help, somebody needs their lawns mowed over there, whatever it is. No one's watching, no one's applauding, no one's giving you, gee, that was great. That is the moment of mission for you and for me every day. a defining moment. I've got a friend who, um, very, very smart man, IT in computers, and he decided that the Lord was calling him to pastor a church in Canberra a number of years ago. And this man took a 400% pay cut to go into the ministry. I remember at conference, going into Canberra, everyone, 400%. And you say, well, if you earned a dollar, that's not much. No, this, <laughs> this guy, incredible money. He said nothing to do what he felt was the will, the plan of God. How were those moments when he sat and looked at his wife and said, I feel the Lord wants me to do this, us to do this, but it's going to mean this. No one's applauding, no one's clapping and here he is. His wife looks at him and says, let's do that. I'm more in love with you today and more excited about this venture than anything else. Let's go and do that for God. It's a moment of mission. When we leave here today, when we leave with our families, as we go about our business this week, whatever your business is, whatever you do, 
when no one else is watching, that's your moment of mission. Defining moments in the life of the church. Amen? Five defining moments. Revelation of imperfection. Moment of offence. Exposure to gossip. Unsatisfied ambition. And the moment of mission. Every single one of us will face these crossroads. What we choose, what we do at those crossroads will define whether we, Ephesians chapter 2, can build and grow and glorify the King of Kings forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and close in a word of prayer. Just while the band comes, just while we're in a moment of prayer, a time of meditation, I want to remind you that anyone can join a church, but it takes hard work and humility to stay together over the years. This is God's will for our lives. I'm not saying there are not biblical reasons to leave a church. Of course there are. There are biblical reasons to leave a church. But so often today people are leaving for one of these things. Heavenly Father, I pray that we at Follow would be a church that would not be divided, that would not be immature, that would not be weak. I pray that we would be a preaching, a baptising, a communion community, a place of order, a place of discipline, a place where your truth is proclaimed unapologetically, with grace, with compassion, a place where families can thrive, where yes is yes, where no is no, and it's just that simple. Not a place where we play games, but we get serious about you, about your work on planet Earth, and we love and accept and care for one another in the same way, Jesus, that you gave us the example. I pray today, as my brothers and sisters, as we're all gathered together, that we would ponder our own hearts in these defining moments. Help us to honour you at whatever it is, whatever crossroad we face. May we glorify you with these next choices that we make this afternoon, tomorrow. We repent. We're sorry for our selfishness, Help us to honour you in all that we do. Be glorified, Lord. Refresh and encourage all of us here today. We thank you so much for the truth of your word and the hope that you give and bring to our hearts. Bless this word, I pray, in every heart and every life here today. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. I've been asked uh, by Luke to actually um, pray with everyone, so we're just going to bow our heads and pray. Almighty God, only you know the dwelling place of the light. Only you can comprehend the expanse of the earth. Only you know the gates of death and the gates of darkness. Only you know the way of the thunderbolt. Only you know how to bring rain to the waste and desolate land. Only you, O God, can bind the chains of the Pallades and the courts of the Orient. And only you know the ordinances of heaven. Who are we, O Lord, mere men, to question your justice, your mercy, and your wisdom? Forgive us, O Lord, for so often we speak out of turn and fail to trust in you, Jesus. Cleanse us, Jesus, from all sin, known and unknown, by your precious blood, and teach us your ways. Lead us, O God, in your path of righteousness for your name's sake. May your kingdom come among us at Follow Church. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May Jesus be our vision. May we pick up our cross each day and follow you. Give us a heart for missions and a heart for what breaks yours. Have our eyes set on things unseen and, not, and on things that are eternal. Help us to forgive our enemies those who have hurt us deeply and those who do not see eye to eye with us. Help us to love them as how you have loved us and forgiven us. Teach us to watch and pray so we may not be tempted to sin against you, O Holy God. Keep us, Jesus, strong and rooted in your word and in prayer so that we may be able to fight against the enemy of our soul. We ask for your provision for our every need and the grace to live out our faith in Christ Jesus. May your name be glorified and magnified in and through your people here at Follow Church. Let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Can everyone stand, please? Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as those who forgive, sorry, and forgive, forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.